0: i don 't know about you all, but i I personally love a new year, like the new year holiday, just the the fresh start, the clean slate that it is, like I have just come to love it. I promise I love Christmas, I love the advent season. I actually really enjoy it now more than I ever have, but one of the greatest feelings is putting Christmas decorations away in the box and like getting them back in their like proper place and putting like the furniture back that you moved you know for the Christmas tree and it's like okay everything is like back in its proper place and you're like okay here we go new year fresh start and my type A personality is really coming out uh, so far in this, in this sermon. Maybe you're like, ah, I keep up Christmas all year. It doesn't bother me. Well, for me, I, I just got to get it away, like look ahead to the, the new year. And one of the things I love about like this, the, the fresh start, a new year in the season is the opportunity, just kind of the natural tendency to reflect, kind of to reflect back upon your past year. You know, to think about, oh, these are the things that I learned. These are the ways that I've grown. And if you don't do that, I really encourage you to do that. Kind of reflect back upon the previous year. But maybe more importantly is to, to reflect upon the year ahead. To kind of look to the year ahead and just begin to dream, begin to think about what is going to happen in the year to come. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, if I had to imagine some of you all have New Year's resolutions, you know, kind of came up with your New Year's goals, Uh, that you want to attain this year. But a few years ago, I kind of stumbled upon this question that have kind of shaped the way that I look towards a a new year. And it's actually a pretty simple question, but I have found personally it has really profound implications for what my year looks like. And the question is this, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Who do I want to become? Who, who do I want to be as a follower of Jesus? Who do I want to be as, as a husband? Who do I want to be as a friend? Who do I want to be as a neighbor? Who do I want to be as a fill in the blank for you? What I used to kind of ask myself was, okay, what, what are all the things that I want to do this year? Like, what are all the things that I want to accomplish this year? Now, these are not bad at all. These, in fact, are actually good things, but something happened in my heart, something happened in my heart when I kind of stopped thinking about and focusing on what I was going to be doing first and started thinking about who I wanted to be before anything else. And, and then it was from this place of who I wanted to be that all of the doings started coming. Now, this is an exercise that I do for myself personally. I'm like, okay, Andrew, like who, like who do you wanna be? Like when you look 10 years down the road, when you look 15 years down the road, when you look 20 years down the road, like who is it you wanna be and allow that to inform who you are right now and what you do right now. But one of the things I love is I do this for our church family. So this past week, I just, okay, Jesus, like who do you want us to be? Like, who do you want this group of people in this place and this time to be? Who are you inviting us to be this year? And I just wanna like let you know this week as I was reflecting, I was reflecting back upon the past two years. Um, There's just something as we get ready to approach like the two-year mark with, with COVID that I was just thinking about just the past two years and you all. And I was like, what an amazing group of people. Like what a gift it is to, to follow Jesus alongside of each and every one of you. I was like, how faithful and steady do you have to be to to be sitting in these seats right now after the past two years that we've had? It takes a faithful, steady, devoted person to to endure the, the last two years of just difficulty that we've faced. And so I, I'm just honored and thankful that I get to stand up here alongside of Brandon and, and, and minister to you and, and pastor you and shepherd you. It is such a gift that I, I, I try not to take for granted. I love you all deeply. And it's been fun just this week to reflect. I'm like, wow, you all are amazing. The ways that Jesus has come out in you, has, has birthed life in you in, in a two-year period that has brought an onslaught of difficulty. And so one of the questions I was asking as I reflected back and then started to reflect ahead, okay, Jesus, like, who do you want us to be? Like, who do you want us to be? And and honestly, like, we would be here all week long if if we, like, answered every facet to that question. Um, but I felt just some, a few things just kind of bubbling up in my heart for this moment, for this season, kind of for this, for this year. And so I know God is gonna do more than the four things that I'm gonna share right now. He's gonna do way more than this. He, he's gonna be speaking things personally to you, but these were the things that I just felt bubbling up inside of me to share as we started this, this year together. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna share these four things And then I'm gonna invite us just to pray into these collectively as a community. Just share these four things and then just pray into them and ask God to to do what only he can do. And so I wanna start with number one, a hungry people. Who do you want us to be this year, Jesus? Who do you want us to be, a hungry people? Like I said before, the, the new year is just this clean slate, this kind of fresh start, and I think it's a natural time to just kind of assess, okay, this is what my life has been about, and this is what I want my life to start being about. So something I just kind of want to ask us this morning is, hey, what is it? Like when you look in your heart, when you look in your soul, like what is it that you crave? What, what is it that you long for? Like what is it that, that you're thirsty for? What, what's the thing that you want more than you want anything else? Who does Jesus invite us to be? Who is he inviting us to be this year? A hungry people, hungry for him. A, a church, a body, a people, goodness, that desires God, that desires him, that longs for him, that, that is more passionate about Jesus in his presence, in his kingdom than we are about anything else. Hungry and thirsty for for the Holy Spirit to move and work in our lives. Hungry to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Hungry to see his second coming to restore all things. Now, if you're anything like me, there are moments that this is true about me. Like, I'm like, yes, God, you are the most important thing in my life. And then there are other moments where it's not true. Now, I, I want this to be the dominant narrative of my life, that, that God, more than anything else, was the thing that I was hungry for, that I was thirsty for. Like, this is what I want on my headstone. Man, he desired God more than anything else. This, this is what I want for us, like as a body. Like, the, you can, when you walk through these doors, you can sense that there is a people who are hungry for Jesus, that aren't just checking a box, but hungry for the actual tangible presence of Jesus. Now, if you're anything like me, you're confronted with your flesh and its desires, your sinful nature, daily, weekly, and I would probably argue hourly. Man, am I confronted by the opposite of what I just described. Man, how quickly I'll turn my gaze uh, to possessions where I'm like, oh, just get fixated on, on that thing, that, that, that nuke, whatever it is for you. Or I'll start having my attention on, on pleasing people where it's like, oh man, I can just get consumed with thought about pleasing people. It's like, okay, is my first instinct, God, what, what, what do you say about me? Like, who do you say I am? What do you say about me, God? Before you think about what that person thinks about you or what this person has said about you, may the dominant narrative of our lives and our story be like, God, who do you say we are? Who do you say we are? Because that is the most important thing. And I promise you, it'll be the most life-giving thing that you do. Man, how frequent my cravings and hunger are for the things that one day will pass away. Like just fleeting things. And I just so quickly, I'm like, I get satiated by by lesser things. Now, let me say this, this desire in you, we all have it, like this desire to, to be fulfilled, this desire to like find joy and meaning and purpose, that desire is not evil. Like that desire is in each and every one of us. But (laughs) it's a God-given desire. But the only thing that will fill it, the only thing that will satisfy it is the one who put that desire there in the first place. God himself. Let me just state this, like the tension, because I think this tension is always gonna be there a little bit until one day. It's gonna be there a little bit until eternity, until Jesus, the second advent of Christ comes. Like there's always gonna be that, that just like little bit of longing for more and that's that's okay. It's gonna be there until he returns, until the fullness of his joy, the fullness of his presence is unleashed in the new heaven and new earth. But it's in that in-between time with that tension, it's where are we looking to satisfy that longing? Like what are we looking for? to fill that void? Is it it Jesus, is it his presence, is it his goodness? John Wesley, the 18th century theologian said this, he says, nothing short of God can satisfy your soul. Nothing short of God. Nothing short of God can satisfy your soul. Who do you want us to be, Jesus? Oh, a people who have an appetite and a hunger for the things of heaven. I can remember when uh, Keilah and I, that's my wife, if you don't know my wife, two kids up front, um, did Whole30. If you don't know what Whole30 is, it's this horrible thing where you you can't eat anything good, and you eat only things that are supposedly good for you. And I can remember people telling me, they're like, hey, heads up, and, and reading about it, man, you're addicted to sugar, and you're going to feel it in that first week. And I was like, addicted to sugar? Like, that seems a little strong. Like, I don't think I would be addicted to something like sugar. Well, I get about three days in. And you know those mug shots you see, like, on the nightly news? Like, or like the mug shots, like, Metro Nashville, the police department, they like, like post and you're like, oh, that person's looking rough. Like that was me. I was on the struggle bus. And what I realized was I, I needed deprogramming a little bit. You see, like my body had gotten used to things. My body was being satisfied on things that ultimately weren't what my body actually needed. I was being satisfied on things that weren't actually fulfilling and good for me. Now, I don't know if you can see where I'm going with this metaphor. We do this on a number of levels. And I I believe, and it's true in my heart, if I had to believe, it's probably true in your heart too. We do this on a soul level. On a soul level, what we do is we become satisfied with lesser things. And, And we don't even really realize we're doing it. You just kind of become lulled to sleep where your evening routine is much more uh, about something that isn't going to fill your soul. Or, or your morning routine, it's like, oh, you hop on the newsfeed first thing in the morning thinking I'm gonna find out, it just doesn't fill your soul. It just doesn't satisfy. And I love moments like these. New year, fresh start where you can just hit the reset button. Reassess. Think about, okay, who do I want to be? Now, there's gonna be this really amazing opportunity starting on January 31st to, to, to realign your spiritual taste buds with the things of heaven. But I love that God's word speaks to this. And just so you know, you're like, there's four. He's going a little long on this one. This is my longest one. We're gonna to get to number two in just a second. But God's word, it, it speaks to this in a number of different places. So Jesus, think about Jesus, his sermon on the mount, and he's going through the beatitudes, right? And then he says, "Hey, blessed is the one who hunger and thirst for." Does anyone know it? Righteousness, Righteousness. for they are the ones that will be filled. Psalms one oh seven, verse nine. It says this. It says, "For he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things." My question is, is there that space? Is there that void? Is there that hunger for God to fill this year? I wanna invite you to turn with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter four. There were a couple passages in Philippians that really just jumped out at me. The first one being Philippians chapter four, verse eight. If you're taking notes, write that one down. I love this verse, Philippians chapter four, verse eight, because I think typically when we think about something like hunger, like in the spiritual sense, or like thirsting, we think about emotion, we think about all this emotive things. But what I love about Philippians chapter four, verse eight is hunger being connected to your mind, it being an act and a discipline of the mind. So this is what Philippians chapter four, verse eight says. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, this is Paul speaking to a, a small church in a city of Philippi. He says, This, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. Think about the things of heaven. Think about the things of God. Think about the things that are pure and lovely and good. Meditate on them. Hunger for them. Thirst for them. Now let's turn back actually, Philippians chapter three, verses 17 through 21. Philippians chapter three, 17 through 21. This verse just spoke to me deeply this, this week. It says, join together in following my examples. Brothers and sisters, and just if Just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And I just want us to pause right there. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Something that just kind of jumped out at me. This is is a freebie right here. Just the need for, for people in our lives who are examples to us, like mentors. If you don't have a mentor, if you don't have someone you spiritually look up to, may this be the year that you find a spiritual mentor. Like someone that you can look at and you think, I I love the way that they're following Jesus and I just wanna learn to follow Jesus by being around them. It will pay so many dividends in your life. And this is what Paul's saying. He's like, hey, remember my example of following Christ of what it looks like? Just do what I do. It keeps going on. He says, for as often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears. And I love this moment. Paul's saying he's in tears about what he's getting ready to say here. He says, many live as enemies of Christ, the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is their shame. So their mind is set on earthly things. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a couple of lines really jumped out to me from this. He says, Hey, those who are opposed to God, those who are just deciding not to follow Jesus, who are deciding to live in sin, their God is what? Their stomach. I was like, What? Just caught my attention like this. Their God is their stomach. Hey, sweetheart. You want to preach? Come on, sister. It's okay. It's okay. Hey, you, she, you, you can come up with me. You're pretty light. I can hold you. So he's talking about people who, 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 are, who are opposed to Jesus. He says, hey, their God is their stomach. Now, it was like, what does that mean? Well, whatever they desire like people who who aren't with with Christ. Whatever they desire, they go after it. Like whatever they crave, they go after it. They're, They're controlled not as citizens of heaven, but as citizens of this world. So they're controlled by just their desire more than anything else. I don't know if this sounds familiar with the culture we're swimming in. Like whatever you desire, whatever you want, hey, yes, if it satisfies like go for it if if it feels good, like wh- go for it. He says, but not us. those who are in Christ, those who are disciples of Jesus, hey, your citizenship is in heaven you you 've actually died to that old self you 've actually died to that old way of living. Jesus is Lord over you, your stomach is not Lord over you, whatever Jesus says is what we do. We've died to our old life. We've we've come to new life in Christ. A life born of the spirit. And we know a life in the spirit of God, it produces a lot of fruit. And one of those fruits is self-control as it tells us in Galatians. So who do we wanna be? I'm wrapping up the first one. Who do we wanna be? A, A hungry people. A people who hunger for him, his kingdom, an appetite for the things of heaven. Number two, if you're taking notes, a spirit-filled people. number two, a spirit-filled people. I sometimes need this really simple and powerful reminder: the spirit of God is living in you. The spirit of God is living in you. Romans chapter 8, 11, it says this. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that rose Jesus out of the grave three days later after he died, that spirit lives in you. Jesus said, he said, hey, you're going to do even greater things than me. Not because we're smart, not because we have a great game plan. Why? Because the spirit of the living God is in us. Who do you want us to be this year, Jesus? Not just the hungry people, but a spirit-filled people. Like a body, a church that leans upon the strength of God. That's desperate for the spirit of God. That manifests the gifts of the spirit among us and in us for the, for the good of the body and for the glory of him. Who are you calling us to be? A spirit-filled people. Now I was thinking to myself, okay, like what does this look like? Like what does a spirit-filled people look like? And a lot of things I could name, but the thing that came to mind was a place of freedom. Like a place of freedom. People who are operating out of the, the power of God's spirit are experiencing freedom and I don't just... Make this stuff up, it's from God's word. Second Corinthians says this, it says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now listen to this, it says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord is the spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I'm like, Lord, like let this place be a place of Freedom. Amen. Freedom where people can just truly come as they are. Like with all the wounds and all the brokenness from the week that we've just had out in the world, it's like, may this be a place where people can just come as they are and find freedom in Jesus, like actual freedom in Christ, life in Christ. That when we come in here from from a a week of just, I think sometimes being beaten and broken down. We come not as a group of kind of like perfect people with the polish on, but we come in here like we're broken. We're in need of you, Jesus. We're a group of imperfect people who are desperate for the spirit of God. May we just be desperate for the spirit of God to like have his reign in this place this year. And I I believe, I believe Jesus is inviting us into just more than we could ever fathom or imagine. Like there there are more depths to life in God than we will ever be able to mine. Like there is more life in God for each and every one of us. If there is a hunger and if there is a desire for the spirit of God to dwell and be in this place. So that's number two. Number three, a welcoming people. So number one, a hungry people, number two, a spirit-filled people, number three, a welcoming people. Now, there are so many things that are attractive about Jesus. I I love who he is in so many facets, but I love the fact that Jesus welcomes everybody. Like everyone has a seat at Jesus's table. But it's not just that he welcomes everyone, is that he searches out anyone He goes out of his way to notice the people on the edges. He goes out of his way to to, to notice that person that no one else notices. He goes out of his way to reach out to those who feel marginalized in society. Now, Jesus did this so much, he got criticized for it over and over and over again for it. So he reaches out to, to the leper, and people are like, what are you doing? He's unclean. Or the way that he would treat women, like the way that he would treat women with respect and honor and dignity in such a way that wasn't allowed in their culture. Even one of his closest friends, one of his disciples, Matthew, a tax collector, he was considered an enemy to the Jewish people. And Jesus says, hey, you, who everyone else hates, I want you to have a seat at my table. Like this is who Jesus is. And this is who Jesus invites us to be. Like people who have a, a lens of compassion and love. Jesus, he wanted people into the family of God. That's why he came. He wanted people in his family. I I want this to be our posture on Sundays here, Clinton Street, Marathon Music Works. Like we, we are a welcoming people. We, we notice the person who has no one else to sit with. We, we don't come in here thinking, okay, how is this going to serve me? But we come into this space on Sundays and think, okay, how, how am I going to serve others? Like, how am I going to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this place? How am I going to be an encouragement to someone this morning that needs encouragement? How am I going to have the eyes to notice the people on the outskirts that don't have a place to belong? Who am I going to invite to house church this week that doesn't have a place of belonging? Number one, a hungry people. Number two, a spirit-filled people. Number three, a welcoming people. And number four, we're gonna land the plane. Open-handed people who will not play it safe. Open-handed people who will not play it safe. Each week, we say our mission. You could probably say it with me right now. We exist to love God, love people, and awaken a movement, right? We spend, and we can spend a lot of time and energy on those first two, loving God and loving people. And I think we can sometimes forget that like great commission call from Jesus. He says, hey, here's the call. And this is a call for everybody. This isn't a call for just pastors. This is a call on every disciple of Jesus. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all nations. We've been invited, we've been commanded, to to awaken that movement that Jesus began 2,000 years ago. It is why we exist. Like, it is why we exist as the church. And there are times where I think I'm speaking to myself. I get a little too comfortable. I get a little too focused on myself that I forget why I even exist. Jesus wants to use us. Jesus, he wants to work through us. Why? I don't know. I don't know why he chose us. We're imperfect, broken people, but it's who he chose, us, to use us to reach the world. And sometimes I can get so close-handed, so stuck in my ways, not willing to take risks. And I was reminding myself of our roots as a church family. Like we were planted in this city to reach people who don't yet know him. We were planted in this city to reach people who weren't yet following Jesus. It's why we decided to meet in places like bars and music venues, because we wanted to be a people who were about reaching the lost and willing to be open-handed about everything. Like, everything Jesus is yours. We will not play it safe. And so this year, Just as a marathon family, I'm saying, hey, will you be open-handed with me again? Will you be open-handed with with your life, with your time, with your finances, and say, Jesus, like whatever you want to do here with with this group of people, we're yours. And if that's a risk, we'll take it. We're not going to be stupid, but if you're inviting us to take a risk, we'll take it because we are about awakening the movement that Jesus began. Now, who is Jesus inviting us to be, okay? A hungry people. Like, people who just hunger and thirst for Christ in his presence. A spirit-filled people who don't operate out of our own power or our own strength, but we tap into the spirit of the living God who is in us. Not just that but welcoming to each and every person, wanting everyone to have a seat at the table just like Jesus, and a people who's willing to do anything, willing to do anything short of sin to to get there. Now, if you're anything like me, it's like, all right, got my marching orders, like, I know what I need to do. And remember back where this started. Hey, this is not about a to-do list. This is about who we want to be. And the way of Jesus, if if we wanna be fruitful, if if we wanna last, if we don't wanna burn out, like this has to be an inside out type of thing. This has to be an inside out work because we can go out of here with a big to-do list, things to do and things to accomplish. But if it's not coming from a place of deep, heartfelt motivation, empowered by the Spirit of God, we won't last and it won't matter. So this morning I was just like, let's just ask God to to do it. Like let's ask the Spirit of God to do in us what he only can, to produce a hunger, to, to, to indwell us by his Spirit, to pour his Spirit out upon this place. To give us eyes, like, Jesus, I think if we just pray, Jesus, give us eyes to see people as you see them, that's a prayer he wants to answer. And he's gonna do it. It may not be comfortable, but he's gonna do it. Will you allow us to be open-handed this year, God? Like, give us just this posture of openness, this posture of, hey, we're willing to do anything to reach this city. And I think it's a prayer he wants to answer. So this morning, I want to invite us to to do what we do each and every Sunday, circle up chairs, take communion together, um, and really just pray into these things. Uh, Yeah, you can put it up. So if you're like me and you need a reminder, um, I want us to just pray into these four things together and just circle up and say, God, will you do this? Will you make us like hungry for the things of heaven? God, will you, will you fill us with your spirit afresh this year? May we see more people like operating in gifts and the power of your spirit this year than ever before. Will you make us a welcoming people? Like, will you give us eyes to just see as you see? And then four, will you make us an open-handed people? Help us to like do, do this. Like, this is the prayer. If like the prayer was something, it'd be this. Whatever, whatever you have for us, Jesus. Like, that's, that's the prayer this morning for, for number four, so I'll invite us to circle up chairs. Uh, you can get with people around you, and then just spend some time. Just popcorn around. If if a couple of people want to pray, if one person wants to pray, if you all want to pray, pray. This is what this is what we do, and we don't come to just consume. We come to participate. And so I want to invite you to circle up your chairs and let's really lean into this. Let's really, uh, if you don't have a spot, just just find someone around you. If you see someone that needs a spot, invite them to join. Uh, but let's let's pray and then take communion together as a family.